Hi, and welcome to the Reiki from the Farm podcast brought to you by me, Pam Allen LeBlanc from Hiddenbrook Farm. I am a scientist, a businesswoman, and a licensed Reiki master teacher with the International Center for Reiki Training. Each week in this podcast, you'll be entertained as you learn about a wide variety of relevant Reiki topics, helping you become a more knowledgeable and effective Reiki practitioner. We caution you, though, this podcast may also dramatically improve your life, and we are so happy that you're here. On this week's podcast, we are talking to Dr. Martha Lacey about how to introduce Reiki in medical circumstances and to medical personnel. Welcome, Dr. Lacey. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. (laughs) So glad you could be here. Before we begin, I'll just let you know some of the things that we have coming up here on the farm. In January, I have a full slate of ICRT licensed classes, level one and two, masters, Karuna Reiki masters. I also have the ICRT animal Reiki training, level one and two in masters. So go ahead and check that out. I've also moved my schedule for booking appointments online. And you'll find a link to that in our uh, description, our our description of the podcast. So if you'd like to book a session or even a 15-minute session to talk about your Reiki journey, which is free, go ahead and do that. And you'll receive a Zoom link and you'll be added to my calendar. And I can't wait to talk to some of you personally. In the meantime, I want to introduce you to, I feel like you're my friend, uh, Dr. Lacey. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but my friend, uh, Martha, or Dr. Lacey, and I wonder, Dr. Lacey, because I don't think I'll do a good enough job introducing you, can you just tell our listeners and our viewers who you are and your, just a bit about your qualifications and what you do in the medical field? Sure. Thanks for having me. I am a professor of medicine at Mayo Clinic in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. I specialize in hematology and in particular in a blood cancer called multiple myeloma. And I also do uh, bone marrow transplants. And so I have a little bit unconventional background for being involved in Reiki, but I've been pleased about having the opportunity to try to introduce Reiki into our practice at at Mayo. And it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job of it, Dr. Lacey. I have so many questions for you, but before we go much further, I'm just going to invite everybody who's watching or listening to bring their hands together in Gasho. And just activate your own Reiki energy. What this will do for us today is just allow us to listen with every part of our being. Listening to the podcast and Dr. Lacey's words and experiences with our hearts, our minds, our body, our spirit. And with our chakras. And just understanding what this conversation and this discussion, understanding the possibilities that it brings forward to us. So go ahead and activate your Reiki energy and invite it to assist you with opening all of your listening faculties. And open your heart and receive the message And open yourself to the field of possibilities that this message brings to you. Thank you for joining us here today. Namaste. Can you tell me a little bit about what you are a medical doctor? Not only are you a medical doctor, you're a researcher. 
You are a specialist. You teach medicine to medical fellows. And so what caused you to reach out to Reiki? I had been exploring other modalities for sort of personal growth. I had done a lot of work uh, learning how to do shamanic journeying before I found Reiki. And then some of my friends in that community kept suggesting Reiki training over and over. <laughs> and I eventually thought I better explore this. And I did my Reiki training through the ICRT with our mutual friends, Jill Teal and Colleen Benelli. And I uh, was hooked. Um, I was just so um, impressed at how graceful and elegant Reiki felt and how compelling it felt. And I went into it thinking I would do it mostly for my own personal development. But as I did my training, I did the master's level and then the Karuna master's level in Holy Fire 3 Reiki with those teachers. And as I got more and more involved in it, I realized that it was something that many of my patients would benefit from. Yes. And at first, I was very shy about talking with anyone at work about this because I was concerned they would think that I wasn't serious or it was just a little bit outside most people's comfort zones. They didn't even know what it was. But I began visiting with some of the people, some of the um, other caregivers on our hospital service. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that one of our nurse practitioners on our bone marrow transplant service had been a Reiki master for many years. And that and once I discovered that, I started, you know, talking about it with more people at work and realizing there were more people that were involved with Reiki than I realized. And we have a a division of integrative and complementary medicine at Mayo. And I reached out to the person who coordinates the Reiki program there and started helping with a research trial she was doing. And that opened doors and I started, um, as I progressed with my Reiki training, I started teaching and I started teaching to other medical professionals and I also have opened a Reiki trial for one of our, for our myeloma patients. And I'm trying to encourage some of the others that I've trained to also consider opening trials. Wow. And did you work with Dr. Baldwin with the Center for Reiki Research to design that trial? Or did, is it something you did on your own? I did it on my own, but I was aware of her work. I bought her book and I had heard her on podcasts and at the ICR and at the Reiki retreat. And so I contacted her when I was getting close to submitting the trial to our IRB and she was kind enough to review it and make some suggestions for me. Yeah, I thought you may have collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> she is so helpful when it comes to research. Tell me a little bit more. I really understand your reluctance to to begin with this and to just, I'm a scientist and yet, so at first I was a bit reluctant as well, but I think in a position of healthcare like you, I think that there's a lot of pressure to do work in a certain way and that sort of thing. And so how was it received? It, it's really interesting to me that as you became more open to it, you discovered more and more people that are not doing it. And I wonder how many of our listeners would find the same thing. But one of the things I noticed, Dr. Lacey, is as I healed, as I really became more comfortable with Reiki myself, and, and 
lost that expectation of being judged for presenting something that was a bit different and maybe even considered complementary or it is complementary, although I know sometimes it's, it's considered alternative. As I lost the expectation of being judged, I, I found I wasn't judged as much. What did you find with that? Like, how did you find that people received your... Oh, I totally agree. I feel like the judgment was all my own insecurities looking back and that there are people out there that don't understand it and dismiss it. But by and large, I found that the more open I became, the more it actually built bridges between me and other medical professionals and when I speak about it with patients, they're almost always intrigued and they always want to hear more about it. And the more open I've become, the more I realized that this is just something that speaks to the humanity in all of us. And it's something that we need to hear and we need to bring into our profession. We shouldn't have such narrow lanes about how we think about healing. Reiki was once, I, I once uh, used to hear it described as alternative healing. And I remember one of our licensed teachers, Laurel Gaeta, after she suffered a stroke, she began to become aware of how very important words were and definitions and the meaning behind words. And she said, don't call it alternative healing because it was here before the allopathic method. <laughs> you know, it's, been, it's existed in every culture for millennia. And she said, really, it should be called complementary healing, because one of the major aspects of Reiki is that it doesn't replace medical treatment. Like, I know that, in, that as you're treating your clients, you're still also offering this is complimentary. You're still also offering everything that you can offer them medically. And this is just one more piece of the puzzle in a way. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you find that Reiki works together with your scientific and medical training? I do try to keep them separate in the sense that if I'm seeing someone for Reiki, I'm not trying to diagnose them or tell or change their medicines or do anything like that. If I, if somebody tells me something that sets off a red flag for me as a physician, I just gently suggest you might want to bring that up with your physician. And then on the flip side, when I'm at work and I'm seeing someone talking about changing their chemotherapy regimens or doing you know symptom management or something i don't do reiki sessions in that setting but if they ask for what else can i do i bring it up and i say you might want to find a reiki practitioner and so i don't try to be both their physician and a reiki practitioner at the same time that's really good advice yeah just keep keep the lane separate <laughs> yeah but i do realize that a lot of people don't don't know about the other lanes so if they start asking i'm i point them that way so in a way you let the patient lead yeah because there's definitely some patients that probably don't want to go there and you can yeah. generally i always get a sense if someone's open to it or not and if they are open and they want to hear about it, I will point them that way. But if if they're not, then I will stick to my physician lane and give them advice about the, the chemotherapy and the symptom management for their for the myeloma that I'm seeing them for. I think that's brilliant. And so, how then do you incorporate Reiki into your work and into your life? What do you do you find that? it has been really fun to bring it into work because before I did that, I felt like I had this hidden separate existence. And to me, it's been very healing to me and making me feel whole to bring it to work. 
And so the way I've done that is to partner with the palliative medicine group. And I taught 13 palliative medicine nurses and social workers last spring. And that was, that was really fun. And some of them were getting their doctorates. And so I've encouraged them. They had to do research theses and I've encouraged them to consider reaching out and doing a project based around Reiki. And some of them have, um, and I'm still hopeful some of them might still consider doing that. But I met with the chair of the palliative medicine group just yesterday, and he said it's been a Reiki revolution in their group, and they're open to having some more training sessions for for some additional personnel next year. So, Martha, that's so exciting. Wow, you just cracked the door open and it's (laughs) not its hinges. (laughs) And then there's been people in my own division who were curious. So I've, aside from work on my, I've offered some training sessions for some of our nurse practitioners and nurses and secretaries, and I've trained three physicians and so it's spreading. People are interested in it. And then doing the clinical trial was a great way to bring it to work and also bring it to work with a vocabulary that other healthcare professionals can understand because all of us in healthcare are always taught to be data-driven and there's nothing like having a trial to say, okay, you want the data? We'll see if we can go get it. And our trial is still ongoing, so I don't have the data yet, but hopefully we'll be able to demonstrate a tangible uh, a tangible difference when our trial's done. Absolutely. What can you tell us about your trial so far? What are you, what are the parameters? What are you looking at? In order to get a uniform population, we decided to offer it to myeloma patients who were in remission after their initial treatment with chemotherapy and stem cell transplant. And that's a time when it's a time when they've gone through the first six months of treatment and they're ready to embark on getting life back to normal. And so we are offering it to people who are coming back for their restaging appointments at at that time point. And we're randomly assigning people to no intervention or sham Reiki or real Reiki. We initially were going to do it in person, but then as we were planning to open the trial, the coronavirus hit. So we're giving the Reiki sessions weekly over Zoom. Yeah, and absolutely. That's how I do most of my Reiki sessions, all of my Reiki sessions, and they're very effective. Yeah, I've actually been impressed that the Zoom sessions in many ways are effective in ways, in different ways than the in-person sessions. I've noticed that thing. They're so powerful and yeah, I don't know if it's just because as an empath, it lets me step out of the energy and be more of an observer. I, I don't know why, but they are powerful, those distance sessions. Yeah. We are doing quality of life studies at the beginning and at the end of yeah. the the four weekly treatments. And we're also collecting blood at the beginning and at the end. And... Right now, the blood is all frozen and banked, but when we're done, we're going to then analyze the blood samples to see if we can see changes in the immune repertoires. That is one of the, one of the hallmarks of blood cancers is that then as the blood cancers take root, the normal immune system sort of narrows. And so you see less diversity in the different numbers and types of immune system cells. And so we're not looking for any one particular population. 
we're checking, we're going to be doing assays to just generally quantify globally how diverse their immune system subsets are. That's, oh my gosh, so this, I can't wait to, when does the trial wrap up, Dr. Lacey, or is it, or does it have a little bit of a fluid? Uh, it depends some on how quickly we can get people registered and on the trial. And we've had a few little hitches with some of our initial personnel left and took other jobs. And so like all industries were struggling to make sure that we have the right people available to help us do this. But, but hopefully we'll get this trial done within the next year. Oh my gosh. It's, this is just so exciting. I, I love it. Have you ever noticed, so you introduced the Reiki to your staff and it sounds like the people around you are very receptive to it. Have you ever noticed any resistance as, as you're introducing Reiki within the medical field? Have you ever noticed that? Occasionally, although the more open I am about it, I'm suspecting that some of my colleagues who might be resistant probably aren't voicing that to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, and I think that, that you yourself, just based with, on your qualifications, on your ongoing work, I think that it can, perhaps it's being better received coming from you than Say, if I was to do a presentation in a hospital where my background is science, but not medical science. So what would you say to people who do run into resistance? Like, for instance, people who are talking with their own medical doctors, or maybe even people who would like to introduce other doctors who would like to introduce Reiki into what they do, or... um other medical personnel who would like to bring Reiki as a part of their work, what would you say to them if they're worried about resistance or if they meet with resistance? What would you recommend? Well, one of the things that I lean on is um, not trying to overpromise what it is because you and I know that we've all known people that have stories about healings and physical and or emotional but that is something that other medical professionals may or may not hear uh, or hear with an open mind and they're going to want data if you're going to talk with them about that so instead I talk with them about the benefits that are absolutely obvious and that's the stress reduction, the relaxation. There's many studies that show improvement in pain. And so if you frame it as an adjunct, not a replacement to what they're doing, then I think it's much better received. And then um, as they get more open-minded to it and they understand the Jeeves, there's actually a lot of literature about mind-body connections and it makes sense in a lot of ways but sometimes you have to open the door in a little bit different just framing it a little differently than you might for your neighbor over the fence and something one of the things that i talk to my students about is the language that i one of the things that i do is i use reiki on my voice box and I invite the Reiki to flow through and give me the discernment as to what language I use. And it's really okay to do that. And for instance, when I am talking with scientists and medical personnel, I don't really talk much about the spiritual aspect of Reiki. I simply um, point out some of the literature and some of the research findings and some of the studies. And I use the definition that Reiki is a Japanese form of stress reduction that often promotes healing. And so I really agree with you about the not over-promising. And I've been very fortunate 
in my career that I've worked with quite a lot of people with terminal cancer diagnoses. And very successfully, actually, these people are still around many years later with no evidence of disease. And yet I always encourage them to continue with their medical treatments. And I did have one lady who said, oh, I feel so terrible after the chemotherapy, but so good after the Reiki and I'm going to die anyway. I might as well. I think I'm going to drop the chemotherapy. And I said, please don't. Please do. Like you discuss this with your doctor. Please do what your doctor wishes for you to do. This is meant to work in addition to that, to complement that. And listen, that was about nine years ago now, and she's still around. She was given two or three months to live. So that's great. It is great. But I never, ever promised that either. I know I let people know sometimes that happens, but this is just really a way to allow your body to, to heal itself and to just put yourself into a place where it can receive the healing and it can receive the benefit from all of the therapies that 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 people are offering i tell a story about a client that i was working with who had strep throat and she she really wanted the reiki to heal her strep throat and i very clearly heard as i was doing her treatment tell her we developed penicillin for a reason (laughs) and to go ahead and take that that too was created by god And all of the wonderful, incredible medical personnel who were out there, you know, what they've studied, what they've learned, that's all come through spiritually, whether we call it science or whatever. Science is a form of spirituality <laughs> or of measure, learning to, to observe and measure um, what's already happening. And so tell her to take some penicillin and come and work on something really important. and and that just always stayed with me as an example of how we developed penicillin for a reason and i realized yeah that was a very that was done very spiritually as well so it's What advice, if you, if there are medical professionals out there who would like to introduce Reiki or bring Reiki into the practice, and I know a few of them, I know a few doctors who I've trained who here in Canada, and they know that Reiki and mindset and the stress reduction would be really helpful in what they do. But they're a little shy. They don't want to be. We have something here in Canada called the College of Surgeons and Physicians. And I, I have to tell uh, everybody, the listeners, that I'm really thrilled because here in my province in New Brunswick, Canada, where healthcare is all funded by the government, made an announcement just yesterday that they are incorporating what they call uh, complementary and alternative therapies into their medical mandate going forward. And that's just, that's wonderful. It is wonderful. It's huge. I never, honestly, I never anticipated anything like that. So when my husband told me about it um, for this morning, I was shocked. And I thought, how interesting that I'm talking to Dr. Lacey today about this very topic. (laughs) Our government just decided to do that. So I think that's huge. But yet at the same point, I know that we have something, a college of surgeons and physicians. I'm not sure what you have in the U.S. um, around that. But they're concerned that if they introduce Reiki uh, into what they do, even just Reiki meditations and things that would assist or complement the therapy, that they they may be judged or they may get into some trouble with some of the medical authorities. What advice would you have for someone like that? It gets back to staying in their lane in the sense that when I'm a doctor, I do doctor things. And when I'm a Reiki practitioner, I do Reiki practitioner things. And 
if I'm as a physician thinking a patient needs to benefit from Reiki, I would refer that out just as if I thought they needed counseling, I would refer them out to a counselor. Right. And so I think it's really staying within the scope of practice. And that's actually part of the ICRT code of ethics. Mm. <laughs> of ethics is yes, exactly. To stay within our scope of practice. So one of the things I found was resonant when I was teaching Reiki to other medical people though, is to frame it in terms of left brain and right brain activities. Because my tribe understands that language. <laughs> and Biosin scanning is a little bit out of our normal comfort zone as physicians and nurses and APPs. And yet, when I framed it that way, that you've been taught your whole medical career to think to use your left brain. But if you just think of it in terms of all that intuitive stuff is really learning how to recognize and pay attention to the information we're all getting in our right brain intuitive side all the time. And it's just learning how to frame it and recognize it. I absolutely love that explanation, Dr. Lacey. That's, that makes so much sense. And I think probably you can't work in the field that you work in with life and death and these really important decisions and healing and health. And you can't work in that without at times being very aware of your intuition, can you? No, that's true. And actually, once I framed it that way, I realized that I've been doing this my whole career. I remember a colleague once pointing out that I was very intuitive with knowing which regimen to pick next, because in the cancer I deal with, we've had a lot of advances in the last 20 years, and there's lots of different choices, and not any of them are necessarily bad, and most of them work for a while and then you have to switch gears and try something else. And the order in which you choose them is sometimes data driven, but a lot of it's intuitive and it's just, and as I've gotten more involved in Reiki and really have been able to observe myself observing, <laughs> yeah, I've become more aware of how I've always done that. And I just, it's like a fish swimming in the water, not realizing that they're in the water. And and so I think as health professionals, we do that all the time, but we don't even recognize that's what we're doing. I agree. And I think that the best healthcare professionals that I've had the privilege of working with, knowing what I know, they've been very intuitive. And not only have they been very intuitive and followed their own intuition. I've been very blessed that my medical practitioners that I haven't needed a lot, but I do have a family doctor and now I actually have, have switched to a nurse practitioner and both of them have really honored my own intuition, like with regards to my children. When I felt that something was necessary and when I felt that it wasn't, they, and with, and for myself as well, I, and in fact, I've even had them use that word, we'll trust your mother's intuition, and so we'll order the test. Or we'll trust your mother's intuition, and we'll move forward with this. And uh, I don't know, I really appreciate medical professionals who who listen like that. But with that in mind, what about when someone has a medical professional who's not open. And I think of my father-in-law and he had, he was having difficulty with a rash and the medicine that he was prescribed wasn't really 
giving him comfort from the rash. And I said, let's add Reiki treatment to that. And he gladly got up on the table and he immediately found that together the medicine and the Reiki really gave him a tremendous amount of relief. But he also, he's always worked. He was a hospital administrator before he retired. And when he went back and told his doctor, it, it, I wasn't really receiving relief, but those two things together really gave me a lot of relief and I felt better. His doctor said, oh, it's, that's just full crap. That doesn't work. That's it. <laughs> and I've granted he's an older doctor. My, my father-in-law's doctor, they're similar ages. What do you say to someone who wants to advocate for their own health and if their medical uh, professionals are not open, what, what would you recommend to them? If they're receiving Reiki and feel it's a benefit, I guess they don't really need their doctor's blessings. It's always nice to have that, but it's not a necessity. And I encourage people to be their own best advocate. When patients are coming to me and asking about different modalities, whether it's a new supplement or there's all kinds of things out there. And as a doctor, uh, what runs through my mind is, is this going to interfere with anything? Is this going to, does this have any potential to do them harm? Right. And so I, there are times when I say, we don't really know if all that, those supplements will interfere or play nice with your chemotherapy. Let's lay off of those for now mm -hmm. and maybe circle back to those later when you don't have to be on this stuff. But if it's something that I don't think has potential to do harm, then as a doctor, I would say, okay. And if, if I wasn't a Reiki practitioner and a patient came in and said they wanted to do Reiki while they were getting their chemotherapy, I guess I would immediately think well, that's not going to harm them. And so I would say, okay, but um, I guess I twofold, I would encourage the person you're describing to just be their own advocate, but also to allow uh, to have the doctors give some thought to not immediately dismissing anything if it, if they don't think it's going to, just because it's not something they know anything about doesn't necessarily mean they should dismiss it as long as they know enough about it to know that it's not going to harm the person. And maybe they would, maybe a medical professional would need to do a bit of research to ascertain to themselves that it wouldn't cause harm and then go from there as well. Yeah, there's been many times when patients have asked me about something and I say, I don't know anything about it, but I Google it right in front of them. And, <laughs> and to make your assessment based on that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I love it. Dr. Lacey, those are the main questions that I had for you. I was, I'm so excited to hear about your research and I really appreciate all the advice that you have here today for us. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with before we move into a meditation today? I guess just hope and optimism that more and more of the population is learning about Reiki and other biofield therapies and, and that the profession, the medical profession is much more open to it than they may realize. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. And I think it's so interesting. I know that there's a unit that I was working with at the hospital. I was just actually, they ordered a lot of my essential oils. And so I would come in and bring them in every so often. And the majority of the nurses in that whole unit were Reiki practitioners. And they, you know what? Like, we don't even necessarily intend it, but as we're treating our patients, the Reiki just flows. 
And it occurs to me that with medical professionals and medical personnel that we know that Reiki will never flow if somebody doesn't want it. It will never go against their free will. And we know that people are there for healing. And I, I think that's what was happening. They were just doing their regular nursing duties. But any time their hand would be on a patient, that the Reiki energy would flow. And, and that would indicate probably they just assume, they just took that as that patient must have needed it or else it wouldn't have started flowing like that. <laughs> yes. I've had that same experience. And I have also infused my stethoscope with Reiki. <laughs> you infuse their tools with Reiki? What a brilliant idea. And, and I know that um, even there was something about Dr. Oz that for a while he wouldn't do heart surgery without a Reiki practitioner present. Because he just found the surgeries went so much smoother, I believe. And yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, that's great advice. If you steered stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I think that people go to see a doctor or a nurse for healing and they don't specify, I want you to use this technique and that technique. And obviously you're going to do what's in your wheelhouse. But I think that if the Reiki does automatically start flowing, at times, then that, that's an indication that the person must be open to it. I agree. And sometimes I can actually feel it flowing direct from my heart to theirs. Wow. That is so interesting. And I feel that as a Reiki practitioner, but people are coming to me for Reiki. So I think that's so neat when it's happening in the medical field like that. Yeah. Thank you. Dr. Lacey, is there anything else you'd like to leave people with today or should we move into a meditation? Oh, let's move into a meditation. Okay. And so we'll move into our meditation today. We just invite the listeners to close your eyes, take some deep breaths and breathe. Placing your hands comfortably on your body, giving yourself Reiki. And they invite you to activate the power of your imagination. And just imagining a world where Reiki and other complementary therapies and medical field work in cooperation. So that people can receive wholeness in their treatment and they can be treated body, mind, spirit, and emotions. I'd like you to think of any medical issues that you might have and just imagine what Reiki could do for you alongside of the medical treatment that you were receiving. And if you have a medical issue, it can be assisted by Reiki energy. We simply invite the energy to flow through you and complement the therapy that you're already receiving today. And if you are a medical professional, or if you are working with medical professionals, excuse me, and you wish to introduce Reiki to other medical professionals or into the field of medicine, that you're concerned or worried about how that may be received. Or if you wish to advocate health and you're worried about how that may be received, we invite the light of Reiki to flow into your voice thought and to provide you with the discernment to know 
which words to use, what stories, what approach. And we invite any fear, nervousness or trepidation or worry around how you will be received to be released and to be released with love. And so we'll just move into a space of silence as the energy addresses any of your medical concerns. Any issues you may have bringing this forward. And we invite the Reiki energy to show you how best to present it in the places that you wish to How best to advocate for your own health and healing. To just show you the path forward as it works to release anything, any blocks or barriers that are creating obstacles to moving forward with medicine. Staying here for several breaths. the Reiki energy flows through you, it invites you to claim your power, your power to advocate on your behalf or on behalf of the dependent loved one. Your power to openly discuss what you believe. And your power to introduce others, no matter what field they are in, to this incredible modality. And stay here for a while to allow all of these energies to process for you today. Collectively, I invite us to send Reiki to the wonderful medical professionals and personnel 
who have become so overtaxed with the pressures of COVID. And to send Reiki to assist them in knowing how very appreciative and respected that they are. We can send them Reiki to assist them in making their jobs easy. And we do, we do so with and appreciation and gratitude in our hearts. Our meditation today with the Reiki ideals just for today. It will not work. Just for today. You will not be angry. Just for today, I will be devoted to my work. Just for today, I will be kind to everyone. Just for today, I will be filled with gratitude. We act in the grace of gratitude. Grateful to Reiki. Grateful to those incredible medical professionals who selflessly assist us each and every day as we need them. Grateful to be living with all of the medical advances and the energetic advances. We are blessed to be of a lineage of light bringers creating wellness on the earth today. Namaste and Amen. Ashi Shalom. And so it is. Thank you. I'd just like to thank the listeners who showed up today and opened their hearts to receive our messages. And I'd like to thank you, Dr. Lacey, for being a pioneer in this field for all of the incredible work that you do. I hope you realize how appreciated you are. <laughs> thank you, Pam, for this opportunity to visit with you and your listeners. Hopefully, we'll find that there's a lot more medical professionals that in, are involved in this field as time goes by. That would make me so happy. <laughs> You're <laughs> not <Namaste. laughs>